Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Geek Buddies. It's for everybody who listens. They know that's how we start the show. (laughs) Already taking shots. Taking shots. Respect, respect. I guess it sounds like a greeting at an Italian wedding. That's what some that's what someone told us recently. Uh, I'd like to apologize to one of my co-hosts from my other shows uh, for the comments that are coming out of the two of the Geek Buddies. Uh, but yes, welcome to the show. Today we're going to get into a bunch of geeky goodness that's going on uh, here in our world, including the new West Side Story trailer that dropped, uh, some Penguin p- spinoff series that may be happening here. We're going to get into, are we get, well, I guess we're not getting into the new Strawberry Shortcake trailer. I was kind of excited that we might get into that, but I guess we're not the getting into one? that one. I, I mean, I'm, I'm one? I might do a trailer reaction for it tomorrow morning. I'm not even joking. We'll see. Listen, Just to kind of mess around. So you should. The, the song, the song that we're teasing in that new trailer is a banger. It's oh, a banger. it's a banger. There we go. Certainly possible. And our main topic today, uh, and we'll, oh, so we're also getting into the what if mid-season trailer, kind of the speculation of all of that. Um, and uh, our main topic today is going to be that Hawkeye trailer that dropped from Disney Plus and Marvel Studios, kind of speculating what we saw and all of that. All of us are Matt Fraction, David Aja fans. So we'll, what did we see in that trailer that gets us really excited to see going forward for that series? It's coming out very, very soon. Honestly, we're barreling into October almost, it feels like. So we are ready. Ho, ho. <laughs> Bring the holidays on. I is ready. <laughs> and, or uh, yeah. Bo, Bo, oh. Bo. Like, I'm just going to do that from now on. Fucking hell. Uh, all right. Uh, we're going to get into all of God, that I just, here. I just realized just this second yeah. that every week that we do this show, I am literally sitting between Roy Kent and uh, Ted Lasso. Yeah. 
just fair. didn't hit me. That's didn't fair. hit me until just this minute. But with but with the jokes I get on this side and the uh, and the attitude I get on this side, I am in a Roy Kent Ted Lasso sandwich, and I guess that makes me Jamie Tart. So that's Does just it? great. I think you're more Keely. Wouldn't you be more Keely <laughs> or oh, Rebecca? I be Keely. You could or, be Rebecca okay. too. I'm yeah. Keely or Rebecca. I'm probably more of a Rebecca. Two. I'll give yeah, you that. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll take Rebecca. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Hannah Weddingham. <laughs> now bring me her. some biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So we, we're going to get into all of that here. We're going to have a lot of fun with it for sure. For those of you who are new, thank you so much for taking the chance on us. If you're listening to us on the podcast feed or watching here on the Outlaw Nation channel here on the Geek Buddies show, we appreciate it madly. The way the show works is... We, each of us talks about a geek news item. We talk about it amongst ourselves, take a little bit of a mini break, and then jump into our main topic. And for those of you who've been along with us for the ride, either recently or the whole time, thank you very much for promoting Geek Buddies and everything we're doing here. We're having a lot of fun, and we appreciate that the Geek Buddies Nation keeps growing and growing. All right, where uh, shall we start first? Me, I guess. I uh, or, or, is it, or Mike, are you starting first? Is it me or no, you? No, you. Uh, I think okay. you wanted to talk a little bit about... Uh... Oh, yeah, right. Exactly. I apologize. You're right. That's some bad uh, producing on my part. Ladies and gentlemen, we do. Before we start, though, we will start in a little bit of a down place. And that is uh, the unfortunate passing of Norm Macdonald that as we're recording this happened yesterday. It was announced yesterday, 61 years old after a prolonged, apparently 10 year battle with cancer uh, that he had kind of hid from loved ones and hid from some friends. Um, and uh, the reaction has been overwhelming for someone who was a cast member of SNL who never really had the massive breakout comedy hit. Um, there is such a reverence and a love and appreciation for Norm Macdonald from the ground up from so many fans, so many artists, so many people in the world of comedy and outside the world of comedy. Bob Dole tweeted about it even at 91 years old. He outlived Norm Macdonald. He said, Bob Dole is going to miss Norm Macdonald. And so incredible oh. to see how many people were affected by this. Gentlemen, talk to me. What's your feelings about Norm Macdonald? What, were you, uh, re- what was your reaction when you heard the news? I mean, I remember Norm Macdonald from SNL when he yeah. would do Weekend Update. I remember my introduction to Weekend Update was, was Kevin Nealon. And Norm Macdonald oh, yeah. was such a such a different departure whereas kevin neal they both played everything very very straight but norm mcdonald kind of did it with a with a wink and a smile he (laughs) he loved to talk about david hasselhoff on weekend update um he was just one of those guys that 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 just knew he was i mean he's i guess he's the one of the ultimate dad jokers i mean he Mm. he knew the jokes that he was making worth the best and he sat there and and smiled about it and one day he was just gone and and Colin Quinn took over and you you know we found out years later that um one of the one of the heads of NBC did not like the fact that he kept making these OJ Simpson jokes yeah, and they're like if, yeah. if you keep doing this we're going to fire you and he's like well, well I'm going to keep doing it and sure <laughs> enough he got fired but then like a year and a half later they asked him they asked him to host the show and if you YouTube his opening monologue it is literally one of the funniest opening oh, yeah. monologues that SNL has ever produced. I mean, yeah, you're right. He never went on. He did. He did have a couple of TV shows. Yeah, you know, he sure. he popped up in some movies, but he was always a stand-up. Yeah. He was always a, a stand-up comedian. And if you watch comedians in cars getting coffee, like he has a really that his episode with Jerry Seinfeld is is very very funny, and it yeah. is so all over the place in what they talk about, which is just the way he did comedy. And uh, 
yeah, it was, it, you know, obviously very, very sudden. Um, relatively young. 61 is 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 not old nowadays. Um, so yeah, super sad to super sad to hear of his passing, but he he left behind a, a really great comedic legacy. And you can tell how much the people who worked with him loved him. Oh, yeah. Mike? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of the things like as we think of the trajectory of actors and comedians, like so many people start in stand up, maybe they end up in SNL, maybe they get on a TV show, then they transition into movies and features and kind of go down that road and become like big stars and have a lot of, I mean, Will Ferrell is one of those. Yeah. Uh, Tina Fey is one of those on the writing side. Robin Williams, you know, is someone who very much left his stand up comedy roots behind as he really embraced being a movie star. And I think the thing that's great about Norm MacDonald is, you know, he he was a stand-up comedian. He stayed a stand-up comedian, yeah. and he was he, and he loved the art of that. And I think yep. what's great, and Shannon just did it exactly, is you know what you've been seeing as people have been remembering him is he might not have had like the breakout hit TV show. He might not have had that that amazing movie that like you know leveled him up. But every single person is like. Have you ever Googled that one Comedy Central roast where Norm Macdonald did this bit? Or have, have you seen on Conan when he did the four-minute joke about the moth going yeah. into the podiatrist? The moth is... Um, it's, a, it's an eight-minute joke. It's not a four-minute joke. It's an eight-minute joke, and it is... It oh is God. comedy gold. Yeah. Or, and, and as everybody has been posting this, but, uh, you know, he was a writer on Roseanne. And yes. Jackie's dad's dead bit, which everyone has been posting on, uh, on Twitter right now, is in a show that was very, very funny, one of the funniest bits, and I guess was loosely based on something that happened in his life. So mm. I think, you know, you just see somebody who, he, we all have a funny Norm MacDonald memory or a funny mm. thing that we saw him do. Like he was always doing it, he was always really funny. And I also really do like, and you can tell, um, Martin Short is one of these people as well. You can tell the comedians that make other comedians laugh. Oh yeah. Like there are, there's a lot of people out there that make all of us laugh, but for the people that do it for a living, there's like a certain level of people. I mean, Dave Letterman uh, was always one of Norm, mm. Norm MacDonald's biggest supporters and said he's one of the funniest people he's ever met in his life. And so yeah. the fact that he was the funny guy that made funny people laugh. Yeah. Um, and also in an era that we're living in where half the comedians that we know are now uh, the jokes they make are no longer the jokes mm. that you think are funny. He never stopped being funny. Yeah, true. Very true. And even when he got into a little bit of trouble for defending Louis CK and uh, defending Roseanne Barr, his former boss, he ended up walking back those comments and apologizing. And you don't see a lot of comics do that either. So it was, he understood. And you know, one guy you wouldn't anticipate would apologize or walk back a comment would be Norm Macdonald. Yeah. But I think he sensed this was a little more important than in the past. And there was actual desire for real change in society. So he didn't want to stand in the way of that. He wanted to actually be aware of that and cater to it and apologize for it. So respect him for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, just he's a comics comic. I a lot of yeah. people say that a comics comic. Michael's right on point with that. You know, all so many comedians came out and spoke about him on Twitter, on social media, about his comedy, his effect. And people spoke about his compassion, his tenderness, his genuine niceness that people experienced. My friend Jennifer Sturger, who was involved in that debacle with Brett Favre years ago, she spoke about the fact that he called her up one time right when all that stuff was happening and wrote a sketch about old creepy men texting young women and trying to get with them and whatever and wanted her to do the sketch. She, at the time, turned it down because she was still in the 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 kind of mire of all of that. And he said to her, I totally understand. Don't sweat it. 
And she, ha- she, she had a moment where she kind of divulged uh, how much this was affecting her and how it just derailed her career and all of that. And he said, I'll give you a little piece of advice. The quicker you own this shit, the quicker the the quicker they'll stop being able to weaponize it against you. And she said that completely changed her mind about how to approach this and her mindset and how she climbed out of it was really essential by what Norm told her. And so many people have been posting these genuinely awesome stories where Norm McDonald was a really nice guy for all his sardonic wit behind the scenes, an incredibly nice and compassionate gentleman um, and gone too soon at 61. Absolutely correct. Shannon gone too soon. Uh, both Mike and I are 20 years away from 61. So, you know, but, it, you know, it, it, I'm sure it's coming at some point anyway. All right. So let's get into. <laughs> uh, I am not good at math, but I do believe that you and I cannot both be the exact same age away from 61. I don't know what you're saying. No one can hear you right now. You've been muted. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> I, first of all, did not understand. I did not know that you had that power over me on uh, on the stream lab. What? Uh, what? <laughs> dizzy oh if you are was... if you are listening to this right now what shannon is laughing at is that i just got kicked out of the room <laughs> sorry rebecca anyway all right let's move on but much love to uh adam uh sorry much love to norm mcdonald's family and friends and loved ones who uh mourn his passing but he will always be remembered and have a legacy in comedy and i always think it's sad when a comedian passes because lord knows the world is crazy enough we need to laugh and uh one less person making us laugh, I think, is a, is a sad thing. But I'm sure he influenced multiple generations of comedy that will be making us laugh for as long as we're on the earth. So thank you for that, Norm MacDonald. Um, all right, let's move on to our Geek Buddies news items. Who wants to go first? Did we say me with the penguin or you, Mike? Uh, I, think, I believe it is me. Um, okay, before, go ahead. Before we get to the penguin, and speaking of laughter, uh, if you grew up in the 80s, three guys that made you laugh were Ivan Reitman, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Danny DeVito. When they made a little movie called Twins. Hey, uh, Twins, huge hit. Uh, I think probably one of the first times that Schwarzenegger, I don't know if it was the first, but it was one of the first times where we took Schwarzenegger, the big action star, and found out he was actually pretty funny, too. Mm. Um, and just the concept of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito being twins would be like John Roca and Shannon McClung being twins. It's just funny to look at. Um, but they have decided that after all these years... <laughs> It is time to come out with a sequel, and not surprisingly, the sequel is called Triplets. Surprisingly, <laughs> the triplet in question is Tracy Morgan. Uh, so Deadline reports that uh, Ivan Reitman is back in the directing chair, and that uh, he, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito, and Tracy Morgan are putting together uh, a, a Triplets movie. Um, apparently, this idea sort of sparked with Eddie Murphy originally that he mm-hmm. was talking with them and kind of made a joke where he should be the triplet. And of course, like an Eddie Murphy, Danny DeVito, Arnold Schwarzenegger movie sounds amazing. Um, and so they kind of were working on that for a while. Um, but then he went into coming to America too. Like, a, like he's got busy and he's Eddie Murphy and he either is super busy or not doing anything and doesn't want to talk to anyone. And so at some point along the way, Tracy Morgan got thrown into the mix and they decided that was going to work. Reworked the entire story to be more Tracy Morgan specific. And uh, apparently the broad plot not not that this is anything that's going to uh surprise you or shock you but uh secretly there was a third baby born a black baby who hasn't been in touch with his siblings 
they don't know each other and very early in the movie they meet and they achieve a bond together and it's really a film about family and no matter how different we all are we have to learn to get along um, and all three of these guys have great chemistry so you can see that in the reel that they put together to kind of sell people on the idea and what do you guys think about uh, revisiting this classic film and adding a little Tracy Morgan into the mix? Shan? So Twins was one of my favorite 80s comedies. I think that oh. was I think that was Arnold Schwarzenegger's first comedic role. And Danny DeVito had talked about how enthusiastic he was every day showing up to set because he'd never done comedy. And um, how prepared he was that he didn't just know his lines. He knew everyone's lines. Like yeah. he knew everything because he wanted to go in and do a really good job. And, you know, the results the you know, the proof was in the pudding. I mean, you know, that was a, that was, it made like over $200 million in 1988. So that is a, that's yeah. a huge, huge sum. Um, the idea, cause I remember back well, like 10 years ago <laughs> when they started saying there's going to be a triplet with Eddie Murphy. It's like, well, <laughs> I mean, because Eddie Murphy had kind of been in a bit of a slump. Yeah. And it it kind of had that feeling of cash grab. Like let's 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 bank on some nostalgia. Let's throw Eddie Murphy in there. Um, so it didn't leave me with like the best feeling. And it's one of those things that's like, this is gonna go away. Like this is gonna be like Beverly Hills Cop Four, which I also think is finally starting to happen. <laughs> um, so the idea that Tracy Morgan is gonna be the triplet, um, you know, there's a good 20 years in between these guys, which I'm sure will be addressed in the plot. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I mean, Schwarzenegger post governor has not had has not had that big hit. I mean, he he I think the closest thing was probably the Expendables movies. And even those were modest hits. Um, yeah. And he was never like the guy in it. Those it was are always Stallone's films. Yeah, 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 it was always Stallone. Um so I'm really I'm curious. I mean, you you look at who from that universe is still around. You know, obviously Kelly Preston passed away. Um, Chloe yeah. Webb, who played Linda, Danny DeVito's wife, she I believe she's still she's still alive. Yeah, but um, poof, hasn't done anything in a long, long time. But yeah, yeah, but I mean, if you know that movie, yeah. I mean, will will it resonate with with today's audiences? I don't know. I mean, a lot of younger people do know Danny DeVito thanks to It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and some of the crazy comedy that he does. A lot of, you know, everyone still knows Schwarzenegger. Will this, will this bring in the audience? I don't know. I mean, after watching yeah. Coming to America 2, um, like I thought Wesley Snipes was great. Yes. Um, but the majority of that movie was like, oh, this was, this was what we were afraid of. Um, yeah. So will triplets be this? I don't know. I mean, Ivan Reitman, he is long in the tooth it's been a few years since he's directed so i don't know we'll 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 see what happens i mean the, the idea of those three guys trading barbs i actually think is funny um but yeah we'll see i think you nailed it on the head there right at the end shannon it's it's this is a film that's going to be very script dependent uh because already ivan's like well we're you know low budget worked for the last one yeah, as if like you wouldn't want a hundred million dollar budget for this. But I get it. You're you're trying to it's PR. You're trying to spin it a certain way because no way a studio is shelling out a hundred million for either of these three actors. There's no way you would do that. Why would you ever do that based on a film from back in the '80s? That makes no sense. Danny, as you said, long in the tooth himself, uh, off the It's Always Sunny, looking pretty haggard on It's Always Sunny with the character he plays. So this feels like Lost Vegas all over again, with the or Last Vegas, whatever it was. It's a bunch of old people getting together, thinking they still got it. And yeah, 
you bring in Tracy, but Tracy ain't Eddie. No offense, but Tracy ain't Eddie. And so you're already kind of oh. lowering the bar of what to expect. So I think this is going to be something that, I mean, because Chris Rock could have been the great choice here. Dave Chappelle would have been a really interesting choice here. <laughs> I mean, there's 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 com- com- comedians who I think carry a little more cachet nowadays than Tracy Morgan. Nothing against Tracy. Everybody can love 30 Rock all they want or love The Last G all they want. Chappelle brings eyes, and so that would have been a more interesting approach to it. And Rock has more experience on ca- on camera than uh, uh, Tracy does in in high profile projects, so that would have been something to see. So we'll see. I don't expect much from this. I don't expect them, them to spend much more than twenty to thirty million dollars on this movie, but it's going to be very script dependent, and I don't anticipate it'll be good. Ivan Reitman hasn't directed a good film in a very long time, even though he is. Co- uh, producing or executive producing this Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is getting a lot of positive reviews. That's his son directing it. So we'll see. But I just I just don't anticipate anything coming out of this that would be funny. But if it is, I'll be super happy. Because as you said, Shannon, I'd love Schwarzenegger to get one damn hit before he kind of exits stage right off the, off the planet. It'd be nice to see him get one more, for God's sakes. All right, yeah. thanks for that uh, Agre- button there, Agreed. Shane. All right. <laughs> I, uh, <What>? I, uh, <laughs> I, I said my piece. I didn't know I was supposed to respond to that. All right, let's move on to the next thing. Uh, and we'll I'm sure we'll update as we go along with that film, if it happens. Um, all right, so the, the next thing that kind of popped up on my radar yesterday, I pitched it to these guys and they were down to talk about it, is a Penguin spinoff series is a po- supposedly in the works, getting this from Deadline as well. This is supposed to be going to HBO Max. Um, and this is kind of surprising to me on so many levels. Uh, the Batman duo, uh, uh, Dylan Clark and Matt Reeves, are in charge of the development and are executive producing it at this point. It comes from Reeves' sixth and Idaho, Dylan Clark Productions, DC Entertainment, and Warner Brothers Television. Lauren LaFranc, who uh, was tied to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., is show running the project. It's being described as a Scarface-like series, um, and we're going to explore him being a, a disfigured crime lord. He's not, and in the Batman, he's not yet the crime kingpin and dislikes being referred to as the Penguin. Um, but this is also set in Gotham, and they've got that other series that Joe Barton is doing that's set in Gotham about the GCPD as well. So, and and of course, the Batman is based on year two in the series of Bat in the history of Batman. So, Colin Farrell. Clearly unrecognizable as the Penguin. He must be having a really good time on the set, playing this character, putting on the makeup, bringing this character to life for them to even remotely get him to come back to play the Penguin in a series for HBO Max. We've seen so many other announcements for stuff coming to HBO Max. Do you think it's going to happen, A, and B, do you want it to happen? And do you trust it to be good if it does happen? gentlemen well i i think uh, according to the variety article there he's not yeah. signed yet like there's not a deal yet for him to that's even worse to, don't for him to star in it don't even do it if he's not going to come back and do it. it makes no fucking sense that's that's kind of like i can't see them doing it without him if it's a yeah. spinoff of the movie i can't see them even though yes he is buried under prosthetics like i can't see them throwing another uh, another actor in there especially because more than likely they want to do several of these Batman movies with Robert Mm. Pattinson and more than likely they want Colin Farrell to come back as the penguin in some capacity. Um, I, 
a couple of years ago, if someone had said, hey, do you want to see a movie about the Joker? It's just like, what, you mean a Batman movie? And that turned out really well. I mean, I don't know. I'd be, I'd be interested to see, like, is this going to take place after the movie? Because mm-hmm. you're, you're doing that Gotham set story without Batman, or, or is this pre, pre the movie? I don't know. I mean, looking at him in the trailer, this is, this is a different Oswald Cobblepot than the one from the comics recently. This isn't the refined high class criminal, at least to my, to my, to me. Right, um, right. He he looks a little rougher around the edges. Um, the the character is always fascinating. Um, I think Vogel has has said this many times, but the the penguin, at least in the comics, is is the most interesting when he's used in sort of a supporting way. Like mm. him being the big bad guy. They haven't done a ton of those stories recently. Um, he's always kind of the go between. He's the guy who has one foot in the legal world and one foot in the criminal world. Um, so I think a lot of it will depend on, on the, on the portrayal on, on how Matt Reeves chose to, to portray this character. Um, if you can get Colin Farrell to commit to 10 episodes and get buried under all those prosthetics again, great. I mean, some actors love performing in that as one who has been in prosthetic, I can tell you, I didn't like it. Um, and I was in it for a day. <laughs> So if you're if you're going to be in it as number one on the call sheet for uh, multiple episodes like that's that's a significant commitment. So, again, if if that's Colin Farrell's jam, we could have a great show. We'll see. Mike, Uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, a lot of it depends on what this portrayal of the Penguin is. Uh, But I mean, I, I do think there is a world in which a show about the Penguin's rise to becoming some kind of criminal kingpin or something is is cool and interesting. Uh, and like Shannon said, I do think the Penguin is interesting in a supporting role. I think he's interesting when he has his iceberg lounge where, you know, it's like sort of everybody knows that the criminals are there, but there's a veneer of respectability. And so, you know, watching a character sort of navigate a world and kind of step into that role uh, could be really interesting. Colin Farrell being the Penguin uh, under all that makeup makes the character already, you know, you want to know a little bit more about him. You're yeah. a little bit more curious about what this take is going to be. Um, it's just all very like, so we've got two shows spinning up uh, yeah. out of the, the Batman, plus we've got Peacemaker, plus we've got a Batgirl movie, plus we got a, a, Blue a Beetle. Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle movie. Yeah. Um, you know, it all... It all sounds interesting, but and I've said this before and I'll say it again, DC is the master of announcing a bunch of projects that sound real interesting and I'm still wondering where my Steven Spielberg Blackhawks movie is or what happened to Ava DuVernay's New Gods. So, you know, I just, there's, there's always a lot of announcements and uh, we'll see what gets to the finish line. I will say, look, despite, and you know, anyone who listens to us on a, on a weekly basis knows this, despite my sort of frustration that DC doesn't have the orderly layout with their TV products that like Marvel does over on Disney plus um, each one of these projects in and of themselves is interesting to me. I, I, you know, the fact that you're going to have a Gotham PD show and a potential penguin show that may or may not have anything to do with the Batgirl show is a little bit weird to me, but if both of them are really, really cool and amazing, you know, I'm down for it, but it's just, you know, DC in general always leaves me with 
a bunch of questions. And to Shannon's point, sometimes they hit it. Like, you know, we all, I think I was the first person that like, well, I don't know about this Joker movie and what does this have to do with this Joker and that Joker and the other Joker? And Joker's a great film taking yeah. on its own merits. So mm-hmm. if DC is going to continue with that, as long as they, as long as each individual project is good, but I, I do question, I think, and Shannon made a really good point about this. Mm-hmm. Any show that takes place in Gotham City where Batman's not in it is already kind of working at a disadvantage. Yeah. It's already kind of battling uphill uh, to because you all you have to do is constantly explain why Batman's not around. Yeah, you know you you have to have that news article that says Bruce Wayne is out of town in Europe, or you have to have you know like there always has to be a reason because otherwise you have a bunch of shit going on and you're like well where the fuck's Batman? Yeah. So it's not saying that that's insurmountable, and I'm not saying that that's impossible to do, but it does create already you're going in with a big problem that you have to solve on top of just all the problems of making a cool and compelling TV show. So one of those I can see. Two of those starts to make me nervous. Yeah, fair enough. Just like a young man coming in for a quickie, I feel so unsatisfied. That's how we feel when we deal with with DC because they announce so many things. Or that person is like, no, no, I'm totally going to get to it. I'll totally get to it. Give me, you know, I'll be there in a couple of days, I promise. And, and it never happens. So you just, yeah, that's what it feels like sometimes with DC. But maybe, I, maybe they're getting better about it. We'll see. I'm uh, I'm going through Titans right now because I never watched mm. all Titans. So I'm about, I'm about halfway through season two of Titans. Haven't gotten to season three yet. And I told somebody, they were like, so what do you think of Titans? And I was like, well, I was like, let me just say this. I, the night before a new Marvel show comes out on Disney Plus, I go to bed a little bit excited. I can't wait mm. for the next day. And then I watch it and I'm like, oh, I've got so much. Whether I like every choice they made or didn't, I'm like, oh, they did this and I got this and I wonder what this means for this. And I think this and I think they messed up here, but this could be this. And I watch Titans and I go, yeah, okay. <laughs> there All you right, go. That's good. There you go. All right, fine. I can see Kalaski's head popping off his shoulders now. All right. Uh, anyway, so we'll get we'll have more updates possibly uh, if this happens, uh, if they're going to work. Because obviously, because this is just in the development stage, so they're building it out. What the scripts are going to be, what the overall uh, storyline is going to be. Are they going to base it on a storyline with Penguin in the comics? Don't, Lord knows there have been a number of runs where Penguin has been the central criminal or a central villain in a story with Batman. And he hasn't always been the villain. Sometimes he's been on Batman's side. So could be interesting which way they go with this, uh, but we'll keep tabs on it. Um, all right. Where are we off to next, uh, my Shannon? Trailers, trailers, trailers. We're mm. going to talk two trailers before the break and one trailer after the break. Ooh. So this is just trailers, trailers. So the first one came out today on the day that we're recording on Wednesday. It came out uh, this morning. It yeah. is the uh, second look at Steven Spielberg's uh, big screen West Side Story. Uh, so this one is what, you know, started off at Fox and then Disney bought Fox and, and now it's, it's 20th century studios. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I imagine most of our audience knows West Side Story, but you know, this is a uh, musical came out in like the fifth, like the late fifties, I believe mm-hmm. sort of a, a, uh, New York, uh, adaptation of Romeo and Juliet, uh, Romeo and Juliet. You have Tony, uh, representing sort of, uh, like the, the, the Irish part of New York. You have Maria who's representing sort of the, the Puerto Rican side of New York and how they fall in love and the, the warring factions of the Jets and the Sharks uh, don't want that to happen, basically. Um, 
as someone who was in the musical, which I already told. Oh my <laughs> Vogel, god! Vogel oh, and Rook. <laughs> oh. I actually, I actually <laughs> thought it was. I thought it was a good. I thought it was a good trip. Yeah, I'm, I'm name dropping my high school production of West Side Story. Yeah. <laughs> it's the second time I've heard about your high school production of West Side Story today. <laughs> Yeah, it's the, but it's the first time you've heard it in person. Um, oh <laughs> uh, I actually, I actually really like the trailer. Looking at some, okay. of, looking at some of the scenes, um, it's like okay, they, there, there are some some uh, deviations from the source material. I mean, Tony Kushner is the one who adapted who yeah. adapted it for Spielberg's version, and you know he's he's no slouch behind the typewriter. Um, you know, I I actually thought the trailer was really good. I mean. Uh, uh, Ansel, uh, how do you say Ansel Elgort? Elgort, yeah. Playing, playing Tony. You know, he he had some things pop up a couple of years ago, some mm. some Me Too isms that he has vehemently denied. Um, and uh, Rachel Zegler, who is going to be someone we're going to be seeing a lot of, uh, she sings great and she looks great. So, yeah, I mean, this is this is one of those. It's like, why did you need? Why did you need to make it again? I thought it looked. I, I, I do think it's a, it looks really nice. I still don't know why we needed a new version. But gentlemen, what did you think of Steven Spielberg's West Side Story? Mikey. Well, I watched the trailer this morning and burst into tears. So <laughs> I am excited for the movie. And like, you know, somebody on Twitter said the same thing you said. They were like, they were like, well, why do we need another version of West Side Story? And I was like, well, since we're still yelling about racism and immigrants and we're more divided <laughs> than we ever have been before, we clearly True. still need to hear this story because we haven't figured it out yet. So <laughs> I think that the, the until until we learn our lesson, we should be hearing the same stories over and over until they actually sink in. And this is clearly one that as much as we all grew up loving it, hasn't sunken in quite yet. And when you look at the trailer and you look at some of the little tweaks into the into the scenes that they showed us that, uh, that Kushner did, you know, they're very they're being very explicit with exactly how this story that is many decades years old is still really relevant. Like when you yeah. hear the Jets saying, I'm tired of people moving into this neighborhood that I don't want to move in here, taking over our businesses. I don't want them around. You're like, yeah. oh, yeah, this is very clearly what this movie's about. And it is very clearly what we are currently still dealing with as a country. So I think they are not making any bones about why they're making it right now. And on top of that, um, you know, I, I watched this trailer and I thought to myself, this is the Spiel. This potentially, it looks like, based on this trailer, this is the Spielberg I grew up with. Like Steven Spielberg is a great director. Nobody's gonna nobody's gonna take away the fact that Steven Spielberg is, was, and always will be a great director. True. But a lot of the movies that Spielberg has made in the past couple of years uh, have been good, solid movies, but haven't necessarily reached that level of holy shit. This is a Spielberg film that we had growing up when you would go see E.T. or Indiana Jones or Jurassic Park or Schindler's List. And watching this trailer and just looking at some of those shots, you're like, oh, shit, this is Steven Spielberg. And so, uh, you know, I mean, I've already I've seen articles and Johnny, I don't know how you feel about this, that, you know, a white Jewish guy directing this story is maybe yeah. not necessarily the most authentic. But I, I, I and I, I completely appreciate that opinion and I have no counter to that opinion. There's not a but necessarily. Um, however, I will add that, like seeing someone on Spielberg's level uh, create some of the shots that are being created in this trailer, if that is indeed what we get, I, uh, I, I'm i here for that. Yeah. 
Um, I'll say this. I thought the trailer was fantastic. Did I? Did it move me the way it moved my brother Vogel? No, it didn't um, overall. And maybe because, as Shannon said, it's a remake. So I was looking for something different, world-changing, incredibly powerful. And some of those things are hinted at, but they're not dived into. And I felt like the first trailer had a little more of that, a little more of the cataclysmic, dramatic, uh, earth-shattering stuff. I mean, that scene, I forget the actress's name, who's banging on the banging on the window screaming. That's a great shot. And I'm like, that's what I'm looking for in this trailer. But the trailer had beautiful visuals. And you're absolutely right, Mike. He's placing, and I said this in my trailer reaction, which is up on the channel, plug, plug. But I, I said this in my trailer reaction, like the where he's putting the camera, the way he's using the camera, the way he's bringing the city or the sets to life as New York City is incredible. And the smoke, the way he's using smoke, the, uh, the, the stuff he does shoots at night, the stuff he shoots in the day, all vibrant in the day, dark and, and, and unsettling at night. All of it is great. The casting, I really love. Rachel Zegler, she's a darker actress, obviously, because Natalie Wood was not Latino, but uh, Latina. But having her be darker, I think, is a great thing. This is the thing I was worried about when the promo pictures came out and all the Latinos were super fucking light. I was worried. No, she's dark. A uh, Annie DuBose, who's playing Anita, she is dark. Uh, um, Daniel Alvarez, I think, who's playing Bernardo, dark. And I love the look of Bernardo. He's more street. He's more like he's a gruffer guy. He's a bigger guy. George Shakiris was a very elevated guy from the streets and it was he won the oscar and and he's an honorary latino absolutely because he did a phenomenal job in the movie this is more of a, a grittier gutsier west side story that I, i'm i'm looking forward to seeing um i do have my issues with riff though i felt like we were sliding into some of the parody that people have done with west side story and commenting on how it's not really tough people that look like they're doing this stuff and I thought his casting of this, uh, Mike uh, Gate, I think his name, Gate, I think his name is, I didn't like him necessarily. He didn't win me over. But it may also be because I'm biased because I just love Russ Tamlin in the role and I can't let go of Russ Tamlin in the role. Uh, but he may be better as, as the f film goes on and as I see it. But it was curious to see them go, Ansel Elgort, let's just uh, move you to the side here, give you one line. And I'm not the only one that noticed Mark Bernardin, uh, who, of course, co-hosts that podcast with Kevin Smith, said, you know, it's still not too late to recast Ansel Elgort with Tig Notaro. Uh, so that was a really funny joke. And, and other people <laughs> other people have stated that if you can get Christopher Plummer to come in for Kevin Spacey, you could have get somebody here. So, I mean, it's it's an allegation from, what, 2017 that occurred or 18, rather, that occurred a little bit earlier in the man's the young man's life. So we'll see if that was a reason why they pushed it. We'll see what more we get here, uh, how they play this out. Uh, my concern with this, if the drumbeat of this issue becomes louder and louder, especially post-Me Too, it could affect the Oscar chances of this movie. And will people feel the effect of Tony's death in the same way that they do in the original if this specter is around Ansel Elgort in a large way? You know, maybe... Mom and Pop in Missouri don't know about this, but a lot of musical theater people who are going to go be the, the foundation who are going to see this will probably be aware of this. And so that's what I'm concerned about overall. And one last thing, and it's I think I mentioned on the texts with you guys, I had this weird vibe that he might change the ending. And I'm, I have heard nothing about it. I've got no possible information on it, but I just had this weird vibe of how he might change the ending. Will Maria die instead of Tony? Will they both die? Or will they both live and take 
on the lessons to build a better future forward, that would be so curious to see if they could make that work and a gutsy decision overall. But this is a beautiful trailer. Janusz Kaminski is the cinematographer. Just incredible. So I'm looking forward to it. I wanted more musical numbers. I guess we'll have to wait for that. But it didn't wow me the way it wowed you, Mike. I do not think that they're going to change the ending to West Side Story. (laughs) And and if they do, I certainly don't think it's going to be the, well, good thing they both lived. Let's go build a nice house in the suburbs. Like, I think people would riot the streets. I don't think you can do it. Um, And and when they riot, it's not going to be snapping. uh, (laughs) If Tony lives, we riot. If Tony lives, we riot. Um, (laughs) And we were talking about this on the text. And like, I I just think, and, and again, this is not any kind of, I don't have an opinion on Ansel Egort really one way or the other. Uh, and I don't know what he did or didn't do. And they, But I think that for most people, uh, the issues surrounding that controversy are a non-issue because it kind of is kind of forgotten. And to and Shannon, you know, Shannon didn't even know how to say his last name. Like, I think most people don't really know him. And if they do know him, they just know him from Baby Driver. And I don't think that he, at this point... I don't think those issues surrounding the uh, alleged allegations uh, around him have risen to the level of an issue. Now, as we get closer to the release of the movie mm. and they're doing press and things are coming up, could more stuff surface? Could this kind of become a big issue on social media again? Absolutely it could. Yeah. But like I, and this is what I was saying this morning, is I don't think if I, if I was a studio and I was kind of monitoring these things, given the amount of... Um, of uh, air that this issue has, I don't think that it's elevated to the point that it's becoming, like, I don't think that they didn't have him in the trailer because of that issue. I don't think that anyone's thinking Oh, really? About it that you way. don't think the studio edited him out of the, tra- like, made sure not to put too many scenes with him because of this? You really think they didn't do that? Yeah, I think, yeah. I think that, wow. I think, okay. I think that they are, they are looking at this and they're okay. like, look, when studios monitor Twitter, they monitor social media, yeah. they have entire departments that are like weighing in and like, look, I just, uh, even in my casual observation of things, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think this is very similar to like all of the Ezra Miller stuff that we talked about when the Justice League movie came out and, with, and as the Flash movies coming right. out. Did we see a video of Ezra Miller acting super weird and doing some weird shit? Absolutely. Yep. Did that whole issue kind of disappear and we're all kind of like, ah, I guess, I don't know, maybe we'll find out what happened. And I just don't think that there's enough, either there's not enough evidence or there's not enough people coming forward or there's not Mm. anything to get enough people to be upset again this is not me putting any kind of like oh i think that they're innocent or i think they're guilty like this is me having a non-opinion on it because i do not have information this is me just saying how i am thinking studios are reacting to it and based on just what i've seen so far i don't think studios really think it's an issue that's interesting because I kind of had the same feeling as John. I mean, for a, for a movie that is about Tony and Maria and, and and their sort of tumultuous the tumultuous few days that they That's have. That's the heart of the movie. Yeah, there's a lot of Riff and Bernardo, a lot of Riff and Bernardo and Maria, and not a ton of Tony. So I mean, I I kind of tend to agree with John on this. Um, I think it's I think it's the one character that we saw. Uh, the the least amount of, and he's essentially he's the lead or the second lead, depending depending on how you look at it. Um, but we will find out on December tenth when West Side Story yeah. hits theaters. Or and our our oh, get, sorry, John. If I get a uh, screening invite, if I can get you guys in, let's let's do it. I would love to the three of us go see it for sure. I, 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 
well, as as one who did the show, I don't know if I brought this up. My oh. timing was perfect. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Let's move Anywho. On. <laughs> you thought me mentioning my TV credits was bad? Wait until I get into no. my high school theater resume. For a guy, i never seen a guy crow about playing anybody's more than he has. Anyway, uh, let's move <laughs> I was Riff, sir. How of dare you? you yeah. Riff and Bernardo were the smallest two guys in the cast. Jesus. The it. Jets and the Sharks were actual students, and Riff and Bernardo oh. were the theater kids. Oh, my God. Perfect. All right. That's enough I just want to see Riff and Bernardo get into a fight on stage, but they both have step ladders so they can actually get taller than each other. That's. Why would we need step ladders? We're both tiny. That doesn't yeah. make any sense. Oh All right, let's move on. Anywho. 42 minutes. Let's go. Yeah. Our second trailer that we're chatting about um, is the mid-season trailer Oof. for What If. So I think we're six episodes in. Is that correct? Six episodes? After last correct. night? Yeah, after last yeah. night's six. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... I, I don't know if we should go too spoilerly. Like, no, if you no. haven't seen the trailer and you're not watching the show, um, but it certainly teases um, something bigger coming together. Um, you know, I, I, going into this pre-Loki, uh, the assumption was this is just going to be kind of you know tales from the multiverse, essentially, like the 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 little twist here and there to see how our stories, our heroes, our villains would have would have played out differently. Um, the impression that we're getting is that they are possibly coming together. We're, we're getting some longer glimpses at heroes that we haven't seen a ton of yet. Right. Um, but as someone who is a huge fan of what they've done, this trailer just got me all sorts of, all sorts of jazzed, all sorts of excited. Um, but gentlemen, what did you all think of the mid season trailer for what if? All I'm going to wow. say is, you go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. Go ahead. Mike. No, 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 no. You go ahead. All I just I'm say, say all, is what? all I'm gonna say is excited the hell out of me. I'm looking forward to it. I love the two strangers, and for for what we heard at the beginning of this whole series when it first came out, oh, we weren't sure it's gonna be canon. They said right before it came out, the executive producers, there will be canon stuff. It is canon. They are seem to be leading up to this multiverse of madness, uh, and this idea that you don't have to watch the ancillary media around the movies. You have to watch this stuff. <laughs> in order to understand what we're going to get. And so that excites me. Seeing the team coming back together lends more credence to the multiverse of Guardians or whatever it is, the Guardians of the Multiverse. So I loved that. So I'll leave it at that. I'm excited for it. Can't wait to see it. I have not seen episode six, so I'm not going to – please don't spoil it. But, uh, Michael, what did you think? Uh, well, let me tell you about episode six. At the <laughs> end of it what... – <laughs> um, no, I thought it was great. Look, I, I've been saying in our weekly What If reviews that I'm, I'm – I, I was already, like, pretty positive that these things were all going to connect. And so watching mm. this trailer for the midseason, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's going to connect. I mean, not – without any getting into any specific spoilers, like, each week of What If – has ended on a much more open-ended note than yeah. I think we thought they were going to, whether that was the promise of a new big bad or complications or new heroes showing up. Like, each one of them uh, has kind of ended in a, oh, okay, I'm going to see where that goes. And episode six is no different. Mm -hmm. And when you watch this trailer, a lot of the trailer is just new is footage that we've already seen in the episodes just kind of cut together in a really cool way. But for the little bit that you do see of some new stuff, uh, you definitely see some characters that were not in the same episode 
standing together and doing some stuff. So I, you know, <laughs> it's it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear that uh, there's more connection here than we thought there was going to be. And it's just been a great ride because, as you guys both already reiterated, this show has gone from something that was kind of like a fun oddity. Oh, this is a cool little thing that we get to explore in animation to oh, I think this is really giving us a really, giving the casual viewer really great cliffs notes on what a multiverse looks like yeah. to, I think this is all pretty connected and potentially means more to the bigger MCU than we thought it did. But, uh, you know, each episode, I have my favorites, I have my least favorites, but like each episode I think has been really enjoyable on some mm. level. And I think as we're getting into the, you know, the, the last half of it or the last chunk of it, uh, I think they're really just gonna to raise the bar again, and I really am excited for us to talk about what if as a total whole once it's mm. complete. Because I think once we get to the end of it, I have a feeling we're gonna be like, well, what the fuck does this mean now for the <laughs> movie? So I'm 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 stoked. Yeah, yeah. So what if drops uh, Wednesdays on Disney Plus? Special shout out to the to the actors that came in and and are kind of uh, voice sound liking some of the MCU actors that decided not to return to the show. Um, Spider Man, Iron Man, those guys they sound real similar. Yeah, real similar. But what if drops Wednesdays on Disney Plus? Yeah, maybe we'll see if we can get Josh Keaton to come by and uh, do a special interview with us about the show we'll see i might shake the tree a little bit and see if it's possible although michael's really the connection um all right i thought i, thought I was the tree in that analogy so <laughs> well i also know yuri lowenthal who's really good friends with me so I, was I forget that's right spectacular spider-man um all right uh so yeah we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna jump into our main topic uh, our third trailer which is that hawkeye trailer have some fun breaking that thing down we'll be right back after this Boo doo boo 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 doo boo doo 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 Alright, good stuff. It's the most time of the year. Uh, and if that clue isn't a clue, uh, it doesn't tell you what we're talking about, it should. Uh, this is, uh, we're going to break down the Hawkeye trailer. It came out earlier this week, much to everyone's surprise, kind of a Monday morning Christmas gift. Uh, we got this uh, trailer uh, from the series that's coming out, uh, what, November, what is it, November 24th. 24th? Yeah, November 24th on Disney Plus. Exciting stuff. The next one, I mean, it seems like we're just finished Loki and now we're into What If and now we're going to jump into the Hawkeye series, uh, 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 Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld playing Kate Bishop. Vera Farmiga is in this, essentially playing Kate Bishop's mom. Uh, we've got a number of uh, Froffy is in this as the clown. We, we And this is all based on the uh, uh, Matt Fraction, David Aja run that if you haven't read, I said it in my trailer reaction, you need to read to give you a little more context on what you're going to watch here. And, and they're leading into it, Mike and Shannon, that poster that came out, very, very similar to the oh, comic yeah. book. So um, what did you gentlemen think about the trailer uh, overall? Okay. Have at it, Mike. Uh, I loved it. I mean, look, I love Christmas. Uh, I love it a lot. It's the best. Uh, and so this trailer just sent me over the edge. Was I already excited for the Hawkeye trailer to see, like, 
what they were going to show us, our first mm-hmm. look uh, at Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop, like all of that. Like I'm, I'm already excited. As John said, I love the Matt Fraction run of the comics. I love the comics so much that I bought it twice because John borrowed it once and, and, and I didn't get it back in uh, full. Uh, mm. I didn't get the dust jacket back, so I had oh. to get it again. Oh, wow. But uh, Wait, you still but, have the uh, one without the dust jacket? I think I gave it away to somebody else. You but I know what? One. I would take it back, but all right. Um, <laughs> but it's a great run. And so all of that, in addition to this being a hardcore, not just a subtle like Iron Man 3 level set at Christmas Christmas story, but a Christmas Christmas story. Yeah, oh, totally. Uh, really got me excited. Um, there's a ton to talk about. Um, you could go through this trailer and talk about all the great nods to the Matt Fraction, David Aja comic, of which there are multiple yeah. uh, things. But additionally, you can also look at how it does tie into the MCU. And what I find the most interesting is how those two things converge, how they're taking mm-hmm. the Hawkeye story, uh, Hawkeye the family man, Hawkeye the guy who has his family back on the farm, Hawkeye who became Ronan during the five <laughs> years of the blip, uh, and taking that character and his story and kind of overlapping it with what we know from the Matt Fraction, David Aja story yeah. and seeing how those things come together in new and surprising ways. Uh, so I think the trailer gives us a lot of hints about the way that certain characters are going to come into it, uh, gave us a lot of teases. Also, a lot that we didn't see. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the biggest thing being one of the th- characters that I think people are most excited about, and this will very likely be Hawkeye's Mephisto. Hawkeye's Mephisto will be Wilson Fisk. Yeah. We will watch every episode wondering if Wilson Fisk is going to show up because Kingpin plays uh, plays a decent-sized role in the Matt Fraction story, plays a very important role in Echo's story, who's going to be introduced here. And as much as we're all curious if we're ever going to see Charlie Cox's Daredevil uh, in Spider-Man No Way Home or in the MCU itself... I think we are equally as interested in seeing Vincent D'Onofrio's Wilson Fisk enter the Marvel Universe, and this could very well be where it happens. So lots of specifics to talk about uh, as we get into the Young Avengersness of it and everything else. But overall, those are the things that got real got me really stoked about it. What did you guys think? I thought it was an absolute blast. And as soon as the trailer starts and you hear the the opening the opening notes of it's uh, the most wonderful time of the year, you know, I that was something I just was not expecting. I mean, there are there are issues in the comic that I think it is set around Christmas. I mean, there are uh, yeah. um, but how much they leaned into it. And, you know, you, you see shots with Jeremy Renner and you see he is wearing a hearing aid, yeah. um, which, you know, when when Hawkeye was was first first debuted way back when, like he was he was deaf. Um, that's something that's kind of, you know, they, de- they never really addressed in uh, in the, the movies at all. And certainly I feel like that's something that's kind of been lost in the comics. So it looks like maybe they're kind of doing the reverse is like, oh, he he has he is starting to lose his hearing now. Um it was just so much fun. I mean, Hawkeye is a character in the MCU that is, he's always, he's always with other heroes. Mm-hmm. So he kind of gets dwarfed a little bit because he's with Iron Man. He's with Captain America. He's with Thor. He's with Black Widow. He's with Hulk. The guy with the bow gets gets forgotten sometimes. Mm-hmm. And this seems like it's really going to show off how much of a badass Clint Barton actually is. I mean, there's a great shot of them doing a chase. Kate Bishop's in the car and they're doing a chase. Oh, yeah. And he, she's, he's pulling out arrows saying, 
too dangerous. That's very, you know, that's definitely too dangerous. And she ends up firing an arrow that, you know, blows up a van behind them. And she goes, you have arrows more dangerous than that. <laughs> I mean, it's such a, it's such a great moment. Um, a, a great moment where the, the tracksuit mafia tosses a Molotov cocktail, which he catches and then throws back. I mean, that's like the stuff that's, you would see you would see Hawkeye do in the comics and we're yeah. we're going to get to see it in live action now and some of the fun added stuff that Vogel was referring to uh we get glimpses of Rogers the musical mm. um I mean uh, you know you you see the sign out on Broadway you get a quick uh, uh it looks like the the uh, finale of a musical number that has all the Avengers and the Chitari I mean it, this it looks like it's just going to be a blast Dr. Um, Erskine He's in the dancing yeah. as well. <laughs> you see the white brilliant. lab coat. I mean, it, it it just looks like a blast. And thus far, um, Marvel TV has has delivered. Like there there have been, you know, I people had some issues with how WandaVision ended. They had issues with Falcon Winter Soldier. I mean, overall, I think they are they are delivering. And this looks like it could be the most fun yet. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say, when I watched it, I was absolutely just loving it. Because, I mean, this is a character that I've enjoyed in the comics, and certainly Michael letting me borrow that Matt Fraction run completely changed my point of view on the character overall. Um, I you know, remember when he was leading West Coast Avengers, right? I mean, that was a, that was a run that went on for a while that I really enjoyed. Uh, and then, you know, seeing reading the Matt Fraction stuff got me even more in love with the character. Uh, and you're right, seeing him with the hearing aid, that's a great nod to the comics. Glad they're dialing into that. Echo is also going to have her own hearing issues. Uh, Electro Cox playing her. How is that going to play into all of this? And you're right, she has ties to Wilson Fisk and the Daredevil. So how much of that oh. is are they setting up here? But overall, it was the Kate Bishop part of this that really stood out for me and the tracksuit mafia, which I'll get to in a second. But certainly, I mean, if you're going to introduce young Avengers, you've got to have a charter member. And she is essentially a foundational member of the young Avengers and having her having Haley Steinfeld, who is so now very much into her confidence as an actress and having that exude out as she's going toe to toe verbally with Jeremy Renner is great and you know if you read if you read that run that relationship is so interesting and unique and i love that they have because it's not you know in the run it's not sexual or romantic in any nature it's very much mentor mentee and friend friend to friend as well dealing with all the the, the madness that's going on so I'm excited to see her kind of embrace that role and take us forward into the Young Avengers, who I love as a team. So that excites me, and, and it's great to see her doing all of that in this film, or in this show, rather. And then the tracksuit mafia. Look, trust a bro moving company. That is a brilliant way to throw in the overusage of the word bro in that run. Uh, that makes you excited if you've watched, or if, rather if you've read the run so all of that was great but then also vera farmiga in here uh her, her eleanor bishop playing that character who has ties to madame mask so are we now opening the door to madame mask that's this that's another part of this as well are we going to get fisk or will Ele eleanor bishop be in essence the wilson fisk of this particular series i wonder if that's what they're setting up here because uh, we've seen marvel go into father father son stuff Every damn film almost deals with father-son stuff. How about some mother-daughter stuff? And here we have the possibility of that with Kate and Ellen Bishop. So I like that as a little bit of a twist. And one last thing, Lucky the Pizza Dog. How nice to be <laughs> Lucky the Pizza Dog hanging out. We don't get too much with him, but enough to, for those of you who've read the run to be excited about what we might be getting overall from him, uh, for his participation in all of this as well. 
Yeah, and one thing I thought was interesting, I mean, so if you haven't read the Matt Fraction run, obviously, as we're all talking about it, you should yeah. read the Matt Fraction run. But, like, really broadly, it's about Hawkeye kind of buying a building in his off time when he's not Avengering. Yes. Uh, and there's a bunch of people in the building, and then this tracksuit mafia wants everybody out of the building, and he kind of defends people from the tracksuit mafia, and then Kate Bishop gets involved. Obviously, in the MCU, Hawkeye's not going to go off and buy a building for himself because he's got a family. Yeah. Um, but they're clearly still doing that story. So I wonder, like, does Kate Bishop, is Kate Bishop the one with the tracksuit mafia issue mm. and he gets involved in it? And then right. they've also added in this idea that she's dressed in the Ronin costume, which mm. is not from the comic book. Uh, right. You know, Hawkeye and Kate Bishop meet in a very different way in the comic, kind of through her being a young Avenger. Yeah. But by having her be in this Ronin costume... Uh, and kind of attracting attention, it automatically gives us a great way for those two to come together. And then the other piece, uh, as John mentioned, this character of Echo that's coming into the story, who's kind of a primarily a daredevil character, uh, this deaf sort of martial artist assassin. Um, she also happens to be the first character in the Marvel Universe that wore the Ronin costume. Yes. So the fact that she's coming into this story where we are like kind of circling back to the fact that Hawkeye wore the Ronin costume in Endgame, I think is also pretty interesting and maybe mm -hmm. got, gives us a good clue as to the reason that she's showing up. Uh, you yeah. know, we don't really know where Hawkeye got that specific costume or why he chose to wear it. We just came no. into Endgame and he was wearing this costume. So I think as you're looking at this and you take what, what you know from the comics or what your friends or your geek buddies know from the comics, you can start to see where some of these things might all line up. And like I said, like seeing where they take the influence from the comic, and, and like this more so than a lot of the other things, like that scene Shannon was talking about with them in the car, yeah. uh, with them going through the different arrows and being like, you have something that's more dangerous than that. That is literally pulled almost mm. line for line from the Matt Fraction comic book. I mean, that scene is literally like, that's the comic book come to life. So... There's a lot, a lot of really, really good stuff in there, and I just think it's going to be really interesting. I also, like I said, I think that my favorite thing that, they, that they've done with Jeremy Renner's version of Hawkeye that is very different from the comics version of Hawkeye is that he has been this guy that is a family-first guy. Like, from yeah. Age of Ultron, uh, say what you will about some of Joss Whedon's less good choices, <laughs> the fact that he really fought to have that farmhouse and Hawkeye have this hidden family... I think has really established who Hawkeye is mm -hmm. in this world of the MCU. Like, he is a family guy. Um, he's the guy that gave Wanda that speech. Like, he kind of was like a father figure or mm -hmm. an older brother figure to her. Um, he's always been kind of that guy. And so to see him here kind of kicking the trailer off with being with his family, being like, I promise you I'm going to be home this Christmas, <laughs> and then getting wrapped up with another character who he has to be sort of this mentor father figure for the same way he was for Wanda in Age of Ultron. Right. It really is a continuation of who he's become in the MCU, which I think is really nice. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, just one other thing. I mean, yeah. something from the the from the Matt Fraction comic. Um, he has, I believe it's with a member of the Tracksuit Mafia, but he has an exchange with with a with a bad guy mm -hmm. um where he basically is saying that you know when captain america is around it it makes you want to be better yeah. and and he closes the speech with a threat it's like he's not around right now and that's basically <laughs> you're we're opening the door to this 
very brutal version of Hawkeye that we may have not seen before. And obviously, you know, we would have, you know, the, the, the world would have seen it during, during the blip yeah. because, uh, because of Ronan. But, um, you know, they say in the trailer that, you know, they've got footage of the, the masked, the, the masked vigilante who went after the underworld yeah. and Kate Bishop is now wearing that same outfit that, that, uh, Clint Barton wore yeah. during, uh, during Endgame. I think that's one of the positives uh, overall. I agree with you, Shannon. And and Mike, I like that Marvel is listening to some of the constructive criticism, right? They re, uh, how can I say, they retconned kind of the Mandarin thing to try to make it work within Shang-Chi. I don't know if we'll ever see um, Tilda Swinton come back as the ancient one other than the what if situation. So they're kind of listening. And another thing they were listening to is the repercussions, the ramifications of things they didn't really deal with it in the first few phases. I mean, you could argue that Vulture's anger has a little bit of basis. In fact, that Tony keeps messing stuff up or blowing stuff up and then just kind of willy-nilly decides who's going to be in charge of what and, and doesn't do the pickup and, you know, ruins people's lives. The ramifications of their ju- their decisions now, and we're seeing in Eternals how that's going to lead to the main villains in Eternals, them bringing all those people back. There's payment. There's consequences here. And a Ronan going off for five years and messing with criminal organizations and killing a bunch of people. It was foolish to think he was just going to skate on back to being Hawkeye and hang out with his family, that there's going to be repercussions and consequences here, I think is fantastic. That's how you make this feel like an overall comic book world is you bring back stuff from a few uh, runs ago or a couple of a couple of years ago and bring that back into the forefront and make it feel like a more fleshed in lived in world. So that's exciting for me to see uh, as a motivation in this uh, particular series for Hawkeye. So, yeah. Um, Art, anything else to say on this? You're just, you're just really not going to let that whole the Avengers made a mistake with the blip thing go, are you? Uh, you're just well, there's a lot of evidence. Yeah, there's a lot of evidence to point gonna, that they did. So you know, we're gonna be we're gonna be having this argument for the next eight days <laughs> of Marvel. Take right? it up with Kevin Feige. Yeah, I didn't write the Eternals. Take it up with Kevin Feige. You know, it's in the trailer. Oh, well, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. But Rogers, the musical, are we going to get more numbers from that? Are we going to get actual numbers from that? I want to see if there's actual numbers from that show. I feel like we would get maybe one or two, but uh, <laughs> seeing the the outcry on social media, like if they end up releasing a cast recording of Rogers. <laughs> here's the thing that's funny about the Rogers, the musical thing, because everybody's yeah. freaking out about it on Twitter. Everybody really like focused in on that and being mm-hmm. like, I am all about it. But it was focused in on the way of like, we recognize that this is a joke in this show. Yes. And we will now make a bunch of jokes about the joke you made. But low key, we all would a thousand percent go see this musical if it came out. Like everybody is like, listen, uh, you guys are funny. Marvel Marvel knows how to make fun of themselves. This is gonna be hilarious. It's gonna be so yeah. funny. Look at that guy playing Hulk in his little green hoodie. But for real though, if you wanted to make this musical, I'm in. I'll come. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you you imagine that whatever Broadway actor is playing Hawkeye, that we're gonna get a nice solo moment from yeah. him <laughs> as Hawkeye's kids kind of look over like, hey, check it out. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. If we can have a Spider-Man Christmas album off of Spider-Verse, we can sure as hell get a Rogers the Musical guest. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. <laughs> Let's get on out of here. Thank you all so much for uh, watching or listening to this episode of the Geek Buddies. We appreciate it madly. Hopefully we've converted you if you've discovered us for the first time. And uh, hopefully we've kept you if you've been hanging out with us the whole time. Uh, Shannon, what do we got to tell them? 
Yeah, I'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter. It's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK2. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Mikey? Uh, look, if you are a lover of musicals, if you are a lover of animation, if you are a lover of superheroes, if you are a lover of twins or triplets, or if you're just a lover of Norm MacDonald, we cover it all here at The Geek Buddies. Uh, and we love talking about it with all of you guys, and we want to continue doing it, and here is how you can help us do so. Uh, you can hit that like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page, leave comments below, let us know what you think about the Hawkeye trailer, what do you think is going to happen, what do you think is going on with What If, are you excited for West Side Story, are you going to hold me while I weep uncontrollably and cry at everything that happens in that movie? If so, leave the comments below, I'll let you know what time and what theater we're in, we'll do it. Uh, if you're listening to us right now on Anchor or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, uh, leave us some stars, leave us some comments, helps us go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it to your socials, tell everybody about the Geek Buddies, and what a lovely time you had with us, because we certainly had a lovely time with you. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, thanks so much, and we'll talk to you. Oh, look for our What If review coming out as well. So uh, look for that coming down very soon, uh, and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode here of the Geek Buddies. <gasps> Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.